0: This might not seem like it, but I feel like we're in a golden age of fact-checking because people are much more interested in it now than they were before. In 2015, there were only 44 fact-checking organizations, and now there are 195.
1: If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media... I'm Megan Lynch, host and reporter at legacy 50,000-watt AM radio station KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. In my three decades as a journalist, I've had the honor of receiving a number of awards for my work, including one I'm most proud of, a national Edward R. Murrow Award. I'm joined by Julie Smith, author of Master the Media, How Teaching Media Literacy Can Save Our Plugged-In World. As an instructor and public speaker, Julie teaches how to dissect what you see and hear so you can be a savvy digital consumer. In this episode, fact-checking the fact-checkers. One of the last times I used a fact-checking website, Julie, I had a friend who sent me a video. You've probably heard of, of this one. It was a video that purported to be Bill Gates briefing the CIA about a vaccine that could eliminate zealous behavior.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you lost me already. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: And basically, it was this video of this guy lecturing in this room, showing the slides, showing the brain of people who were religious fundamentalists or religious fanatics, And how they had had overexposure to a certain gene and that this was specifically spread through a virus. So if they got a vaccine, then it would stop people from being. Then they would just be mild mannered religious people. Exactly. Exactly. So this was sent to me (laughs) by a a well-meaning, very intelligent person I know, fearful that this was going to target Christians. So the first thing I did was I went to Snopes. And basically, you know, what it turns out was it wasn't Bill Gates at all. It was some type of movie scene that was filmed years ago that keeps resurfacing as different things. (laughs) And, you know, they had done all the research and it was wonderful to be able to go to one site and then nicely send back to my friend the Snopes article showing that A lot of research had been done on this, and it was, in fact, a hoax.
0: So thank you very much
1: for fact-checking sites.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. But you know what? The big question is, how do we know what the fact-checking sites tell us is true? Absolutely. So who is fact-checking the fact-checkers? And you
1: really have to dig deep into some of these sites to figure out who's behind them and who's running
0: them. What are some of the big ones that you go to? Well, Snopes gets about 300,000 hits a month. Wow. Yeah. And they do a terrific job. Now, they get a lot of complaints about being too liberal. The website is owned by David and Barbara Mickelson of California. They make money from ads. They also have a premium level of, quote unquote, membership where you can access everything on Snopes ad free. But They do not take donations. There's always been rumors that they were owned and controlled by George Soros, but nothing has ever been proven about that. David and Barbara Mickelson also do not release any of their financial statements. So... It can't be proven, and it can't be disproven. But I trust Snopes. Um, There's also PolitiFact, which Mm -hmm. is run by the Pointer Institute. uh, That's from the Annenberg Public Policy Institute. And they get money from ads. And factcheck.org. Oh, I'm sorry. Factcheck.org is run by the Annenberg Public Policy Center. And they are financed through foundations and individual donations. So if you are skeptical of what a fact-checking site tells you, I would encourage you to follow the money and see if they publicize what their process is for fact checking. Are these fact check
1: organizations any different than if I were to go to a popular
0: internet search engine and try to research this stuff myself? And dig around. Uh, I think that it varies. Now, there's an interesting site called NewsGuard. They're Fact-checking is actually done by journalists, so you can't work for them unless you have a journalism background. That gives them a lot of credibility in my book. If a website does not tell you how they determine what is real and what is not, then I think that's kind of a red flag. You want them to be really transparent about what their process is, and I think that's important. But also, I would encourage people to do lateral reading. So you checked that on Snopes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe you should also check it on a site like Emergent or Hoax Slayer to see if all of them have come up with the same thing, because consensus among all of the fact checking sites is important. It doesn't always happen, though, because something misleading can still be factually accurate. Let me give you an example. In the uh, Democratic debate, June 28th, Bernie Sanders says three people in America own more wealth than the bottom half. Now, that is true. But essentially, the bottom half really doesn't own a lot. So it sounds very misleading, but it is factually true. And we also have to remember, you know, 10 people can see the same car accident and come up with 10 different versions of what happened. So we have to keep all of that in mind and remember that these fact-checking sites are run by humans. And we are definitely not infallible.
1: Do many of these sites go beyond what you can find on the Internet? Do they actually dig into Records or archival material. Some
0: do. Um, Open Secrets is a really interesting site. It's not necessarily fact checking, but it'll tell you where a lot of the money comes from, and they do a lot of Freedom of Information Act work, where you can access a lot of public records, etc. That we might not have easy access to.
1: The other thing that kind of makes me curious is when information from other fact checking sites is used on the fact-checking site you're looking at. So I worry that that's kind of its own echo chamber. It
0: is, it is. Maybe it's like the Associated Press of fact-checking, right? Yeah. That, that they share the information. I think that you want to always notice your own biases also. And I think that's one of the big hurdles that we have with fact-checking in general is that we have unconscious biases, we see different things, and our own, own perception is based so much on our own biases of what we see like um is it a mob is it a riot is it a protest is it a demonstration well it can be all of them depending on how you describe it and how you perceive it so we have to keep in mind that these fact-checking sites are run by humans right and we and we all have our biases even if we don't recognize them right away
1: well, that's like factcheck.org and right. i mean i th- i find it to be fairly reputable You know, they say they're nonpartisan, but is anybody really nonpartisan? How do they, you know,
0: how do they claim that they're nonpartisan? I know it's you can't really prove that, can you? Now, there's a site called All Sides that isn't necessarily fact checking, but they do a lot of bias research and they actually list their donors and what political party they're from. And they recruit actively people to fact check for them. That are from both sides of the political spectrum. So okay. they make a very big deal about publicizing their intent there. I think that's incredible. I think that's so valuable. Because one of the one of the things I found is that adversarial fact-checking actually works really well. Because um, if I'm a conservative, I'm going to dig deeper to fact-check what a liberal says. And if I'm a liberal, I'm going to dig deeper to fact-check what a conservative says. Because essentially, we would want both of them to be wrong. So you dig deeper. Adversarial fact-checking I think is a really interesting concept. Let's dig into NewsGuard. This one fascinates me. I've just learned more
1: about it uh, because of some stories I did on some uh, plugins to browsers that automatically help you check kind of the veracity of of the source that you're using for your information. This is a this is a plugin to Chrome basically. Mm-hmm. There is a, a fee to it. Um Uh, In some cases, um, there's like a subscription service for some of their uh, services, I believe. I find it very fascinating that this one is one where it is manned, basically, by a group of journalists, and they try to use journalistic standards in how they navigate their fact checking.
0: Now, isn't that just a crazy concept, journalistic standards? (laughs) Well... You
1: know, and these are some things that I think have gotten have
0: been forgotten. lately. Well, sure, because now everybody with a cell phone thinks that they can report on something even without any journalism training. So the idea for for someone who might not be familiar, what what are journalism standards, Megan? I, I read through and this
1: is what they have on their website for people who want to go there and look at it themselves. They gauge credibility of a source by they do not repeatedly publish false content. They gather and present information responsibly, and basically this panel of journalists decides whether they're generally fair and accurate in reporting their information, whether they reference multiple sources, and whether they get firsthand information from people. They also rate them based on whether they regularly correct and clarify errors.
0: That is huge. It's and, very huge. And you know what? You can look at the second page of the Wall Street Journal, second page of the Post-Dispatch, second page of the New York Times, and see all of the corrections from the previous day. Mm-hmm. right? So essentially, fact-checking has been around forever, right? Because older legacy media have owned it in the past. Now I think it's tougher because news is coming from a thousand different sources instead of just a few
1: And even when you correct it,
0: sometimes that correction just gets lost. Well, sure, because, you know, the juicy lie makes it around the world before the truth (laughs) gets its pants on. Isn't that what Mark Twain said? And there's that thing called the backfire effect, too, where if I believe something and you give me contradictory information, instead of being open-minded about it, I tend to double down. And that makes it harder, too. Mm -hmm.
1: I thought another interesting way they judge credibility is handles the difference between news and opinion responsibly.
0: Wait, there's a difference?
1: (laughs) This one really, and this is why this piqued my interest, I would say just in the last six months, I have noticed websites for what I consider to be pretty reputable Mm -hmm. news organizations, regardless of if people think they're, you know,
0: conservative or liberal. Yeah, yeah.
1: that there has been a mixture of both commentary and opinion and news on their front page, their homepage of their website And sometimes that little text that says commentary or opinion, it can be very difficult to find.
0: And I would throw in advertising in there, too, that Mm -hmm. native advertising now looks just like a news item or a commentary section. It's very difficult to tell the difference. And one of the issues, I think, because at least for my students, they've never touched a newspaper, a physical newspaper printed on Dead Tree. They never have. So at least in a newspaper, you know at the top of that back page of that first section, it usually says opinion, Mm -hmm. right? So you know that those are the columns, those are the editorials. But when news is presented on a screen, there's no dividing line. And it's very, very difficult to tell what is opinion and what is presented as actual news. And it used to be that
1: there was a separate tab for an opinion. There Mm -hmm. still is. But they're mixing it more. And obviously, those are the things that are getting clicks. Right. For those web pages is, is, you know, what I can only assume.
0: We're in a, this might not seem like it, but I feel like we're in a golden age of fact-checking because people are much more interested in it now than they were before. In 2015, there were only 44 fact-checking organizations and now there are 195. So I think that this is a good thing because it, it encourages people to talk about it. It's a discussion that we should be having as a society. And yeah, is it... Is it foolproof? No. Is it run by humans? Yes. But is it still a good thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. There have been times when I have gone
1: out in the past to cover a news conference or an event. There may be half a dozen other reporters out there. It's always so fascinating to see what the lead is and how each of the stories is written Mm -hmm. and whether any of the reporters went an extra step to find someone different to add to that story and even though you can have half a dozen reporters at the same event their stories can be somewhat different not incorrect but different but somewhat different right and and so that is that is fascinating and that's why i think fact checking is so important because the average person can't be at those news conferences they can't be at those events it's our responsibility to give them the information uh, correctly But fact-checking kind of allows people, the general
0: public, into those spaces in a way. To see the middle. Yes. Right. And a lot of that, you know, like you said, you get six different versions of the same story. None of them are inaccurate. No. Right. It's just different. Different presentations. And I like fact-checking sites that go beyond true and false. I think Snopes uses one that's called somewhat true where it explains that part of this is accurate but maybe taken out of context or the photo's recycled or something. So it allows us to understand and be aware that in many cases there's a gray area. And that gray area is where things get murky. Isn't there a site that does a liar, liar, pants on fire rating? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Or awards certain politicians a number of Pinocchios based on, yeah. Well, and Fact Check also has a flack check, too. And that I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you define
1: flack? Um, a representative of an official or a, a public relations professional a spinner. or a spokesperson.
0: Yeah, a spinner. There's an interesting site called Truth or Fiction. They get money from advertising and they refuse to take any political ads, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. And Real Clear Politics has a site where they actually call it fact check review, where they review the fact checkers. So there's a lot of information out there if you're willing to take the time and dig around.
1: What do you think of the recent trend for news organizations to be presenting their own fact checking stories about events going on or issues coming up?
0: Well, that's a really interesting debate, right? Because say that there's um, maybe a meme or false information floating around about the virus. As a news organization, Do you debunk that information and by doing so, give that false information more oxygen and more attention? Or do you ignore it, hoping that the false information will go away? And my advice would be teach people how to check for themselves. So you're not necessarily giving that false information any oxygen as a news organization, but you're giving people tools and the agency to do it on their own. But if it's something that a lot of people People are are talking talking about, about, then I think you have to address it in some form. Because then it becomes news. Yeah. It's an interesting debate. And I think it'll be really interesting to see where the fact-check industry moves from here. And I hope that a lot more people get involved. Not necessarily organizations, but I hope that a lot of people who consume news and information regularly, which is all of us, are very familiar with checking fact-checking sites and knowing which ones we trust and which ones maybe we need to dig a little deeper.
1: I'm Megan Lynch with media literacy expert Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our media literacy project.